Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Okay, Mark, Mark 9. If you're there, amen. If you're looking at the screen, say I'm cheating. <laughs> Just kidding. Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Everybody say all things. And straightway the father of the child cried out with tears, saying, Lord, I believe. And he stopped there. (laughs) No, he didn't. He had one of the most transparent moments of Scripture. We see one of the most, uh, Sister Mast, it's one of the most honest moments of text. I believe. It's my unbelief that you should know I carry to. Help thou mine unbelief. Um, I, I want to I preach to you a little bit about, uh, you know, you got to believe. You got to believe despite the fog. That's the, what I'll title this. But really, I want to. I want to talk about the, the gift of belief today. The gift of belief. we got to believe despite the fog. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me and ask that God would speak to our hearts and our minds here this morning. Lord Jesus, I'm asking for a supernatural touch. That the Holy Ghost would overshadow what we say and do here today. That you might be exalted. That your name would be lifted high. That I could somehow, in some way, articulate with wisdom and clarity... What needs to be spoken to the people today, to those that are joining us in person and those that are joining us online, that that your word might do a good work, that it might be longer lasting than just our time here together, but that it might be moving and reaching us forward and closer to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. amen. Now find three or four people and tell them it's something great to be a believer. Find three or four people and tell them that it's something great to be a believer. Her name was Florence May Chadwick. She was a famous open water, long distance swimmer. Florence May Chadwick. She was the first woman to ever swim the English Channel. She set time records going both directions. However, in 1952, so just a couple days ago, In 1952, she decided that she was going to swim the 26 miles. That's right, 26 miles. You ever tried to swim from one side of the pool to the other? 
26 miles between the Catalina Island and the California coastline. She had decided that she was going to be the first woman, the first person to ever do this. As she began, she was flanked by small boats that watched for sharks. <laughs> no. <laughs> they were prepared to help her if she got hurt, if she cramped in such a way that her legs or her arms could not sufficiently continue to take her forward. However, history records that after 15 hours, that's right, of swimming, a deep fog set in. Florence began to doubt her ability. She told her mother, who was in one of the boats, that she said, I, I don't think I can make it. She swam for another hour, 16 hours in, swimming one full hour through that fog until she said, I cannot go any further. I must be pulled in. She was unable to see the coastline any longer. She swam for an hour through the thickness of that fog. But it was then that she said, my body is too tired. I'm going to drown if you don't pull me in. She was overwhelmed to find out that she had asked to be pulled into the boat less than one mile from shore. In her interview, when she was asked what happened, what took place, explained the painfulness, she said, it was not my arms, it was not my legs, it was not my lungs. It was the fog. She said, when I could no longer see the destination of where I was headed, it began to mess with my mind to make me feel as though I would never get there. She began a new series of training. She said most of which was for her mind. That when she came against the fog next time, she would simply swim through it. In her next attempt, in fact, she did. She did make it that 26 mile stretch and she completed it. And that was her testimony. I visualized the coastline even when I could not see it. How many know there are many times in life you got a picture what you cannot yet see? You've got to visualize a healthy doctor's report. You've got to visualize your family working things out. It's hard to pray for what you cannot get a vision of. Unrestricted honesty. It has to be one of the hardest things for most people. There... There are, now there are those people who always give too much honesty. <laughs> Tell too much. You ever have to have that conversation with your kids? Now listen, this is, we don't talk about this. Don't tell. Always nervous of what your kids told. Okay? Some people are too honest. To which I would remind us, Facebook is not your blog. <laughs> 
Instagram is not your vent platform. Okay? And Twitter is not being read. I saw, I saw someone one time post, and the words were, an open note to all apostolic men. That's the way it started. And then it was like this rant. And somebody said, did you see that? I said, no, I'm not following them. But I, 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 they showed me the click, and I clicked on followers. There were 26 people that followed them. <laughs> an open note to all apostolic men. It's 26 people following them. Half of them were probably family. Typically, unrestricted honesty is not the easy, it's not the easy choice. And I will tell you this, honesty is based on timing. How many knows that's right? Honesty is based on timing. Admitting that you cheated after you were caught. Okay? Teacher walks in, sees you, you just got caught red-handed cheating on a test, and then you say, I was cheating. You were caught. Your honesty's too late. Okay? Telling after you've been caught is not good. I remember, and maybe I've told this story before, it haunts me. I love it. I, I was a kid and I had a friend just down the road. My buddy's name was Brian, and Brian had a little brother, and, and I was there at the house anyway, and long story short, his little brother had some candy in the other room. I was always hanging out at their house, and Pastor Gallia and I, I had went into the kitchen, and, and, and that little brother had candy sitting in there. We always picked on his little brother. His candy was our candy. It just felt like it was right. I took, I took a few pieces of that candy. It was wrong, okay? But it felt right. Took a few pieces of his candy, like half of it. <laughs> and I had one of those shirts on with a pocket right here, okay, because I was cool. And I put that candy down in my pocket. I thought, he'll never even know, and I just kind of threw the night. And I walked in the room. I had something in my hand. When I walked back in the living room, and the whole family is sitting there in the living room, and whatever was in my hand slipped out of my hand, and when it did, I bent over to grab it. <laughs> and like in slow motion... You know, you've ever seen a video or something and it's slow motion and I could hear myself. I, it's like I could hear every little piece. They had hardwood floor and it was hard candy and every piece was like. To which I can still remember being there like I said something to the effect of. I got some candy. That wasn't honesty. That was caught red-handed, right? Not honesty there. Let me, help, let me help some of the teenagers and young adults on behalf of other people. Honesty is not saying, I feel like the Lord wants us to break up when you just have your eyes on somebody else. <laughs> some of y'all adults in here, you remember playing that card. I feel like the Lord. No, you feel. Just stop and say, you feel. <clears throat> That's why I say when you get married, you better choose the right one. Well. How about this? Honesty is being willing to say, I've made a decision to follow God's will. He's impressed on my heart to do this or that, but I know it's going to be tough. Walking and living for God. Here we go. 
it's not always easy. Can I get an elder that will bear witness with me right now that walking for God is not always easy? We're nervous to admit that, I think, right now. Give me an elder right now that will, that will be honest enough to tell me about a time. Lift your hand if you've ever had to go ahead and live for him through a trial where your faith was challenged. Yeah. That's the truth in living for God. It's not always easy, but it's right. It's not always easy, but it's right. Honesty is a gift that we give to God. Can I tell you something? Everybody in the room, we need to hear this and be reminded of this. God is not intimidated by your honesty. He honors it. There's a reason that the whole thou shalt not lie made it in the Big Ten. Okay? Don't lie to other people. But listen, don't lie to yourself. And don't try to lie to God. When you are in the middle of a situation, like our father in Mark chapter 9, we have a forever proof God can handle your honesty. He can. I, I love this narrative, so let's jump into it. Let's, let's deal with this situation. I do not love that the kid is overwhelmed. Nobody wants to see a kid overwhelmed. Nobody, nobody wants to see a kid going through it. But the scripture says that this boy was not only sick, but that he was possessed. How many know that's a bad thing? We look at him. We look at this father. And we, we kind of glance through the story. And we see that this boy is brought to the disciples. Pause. Who's ever had to pray for something more than once? I prayed and nothing happened. You ever pray and feel like they got sicker? You're touching on this. In, what happens if he doesn't heal them? Pray again. I prayed and I prayed and she still wanted a divorce. I, I prayed and he was still mean to me. I prayed and the doctor's report was no better. Do you know that God is not intimidated when you come to him and you say, God, I don't understand all this. There is something empowering about being able to be honest. If we're not careful, we are programmed that we have to act as though everything is fine. How are you? Whole world's falling apart. People are sick. Things are going on. And you have been programmed. Your response is, well, God is good. You know, it's, you don't need to be that person that every person that talks to you is nervous to ask you how you're doing. <laughs> but it's okay every now and then to say, I don't, I don't understand. We're dealing with some challenges right now. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not sure where it's going. But I do know this. God is able. God is able. 
I feel like I got to pause right now and tell somebody that. Whatever you're dealing with, you might not have your answer yet, but you hear me this morning. He is able. He is able in the... in. Woo! I feel something right now. He is able in this very service to move into your circumstance and find your transparency and find your honesty and work into your situation. And what the doctor said could not happen, he can make happen in a moment. And and what the therapist said you were going to work through in five years, he can pull together in one moment. I I believe there's something great and something powerful and, and I'll even say miraculous about the presence of God. And so the, the disciples get put on put on blast here. I brought him to your disciples. Can you imagine being one of the disciples? We prayed for him. He's real sick. Imagine that. They pray for the boy and nothing happens. Can I tell you the truth? I prayed for a bunch of people, nothing happened. I'm sorry, Brother Senior. That's just the truth. I've prayed for a bunch of people. I thought I prayed right. I thought I even tried to hold my hand just right, say the words just right. But there are times I've prayed and felt something, and there's times I've prayed and felt nothing. Sometimes I prayed and felt something and nothing happened. Sometimes I prayed and felt nothing and they were healed. I don't know. I don't understand how, why. I do know there's a level of faith and it's about to be put on display. But imagine being called out. They prayed and nothing happens. And they're going to get a little rebuke. But Jesus walks up and begins dialogue. And the demons in that little boy take complete control. They throwing on the, most theologians agree when you study out the text that they're trying to end the life of this child. And let me tell you, since we're in the celebration of Christmas and some of the talk about Herod that we've been doing anyway, it has always been the desire of the enemy to destroy the children. Yes, it is. Abortion does not stay on the rampage because it's God's will. It is the will of the enemy to destroy the children. Man, I feel like preaching right now. That's why we've got to be intentional about our sons and our daughters and who we are and how we raise them and how we live. We've got to get them to Jesus. So he brings him and brings Jesus. Here here we are. We have this incredible encounter where Jesus encounters this child that they couldn't pray out and the doctors couldn't get healed. What do you do when you got no more answers? Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, that is when most people turn to Jesus. We get this better when we get this flipped. And he becomes our first. But they got nothing left. And so they bring him, and here's Jesus, and here's this interaction, and the boy is there. But Jesus asks the question through the words of a statement, if thou canst believe. He made a statement, but he knew it was a question. He knew there was a lot of meat on that bone. He knew if in order for you to address this, you've got to get beyond what looks good in front of other people. You've got to forget about what you think that will please the opinions of others. I'm going to need something that most people are not comfortable with. I'm going to need your honesty. If thou canst 
believe. And what did he say in that moment? If he would have stopped there and Jesus would have paraded him or healed him, we would have paraded this man forever. We'd have still preached him in our pulpits. If he would have simply said, I believe. And all of a sudden a supernatural healing takes place and the young man stands up and the spirits are gone and the, and, and the, the sickness has left him. He'll, he'll be no longer cast down. He'll be no longer thrown into the fire. He'll be no longer dealing with this. Uh, listen to me. We would have still heralded the moment. But we've got several of those. But we get a really unique glimpse here. Imagine yourself standing there. Imagine it. Try to picture all of the disciples gathered around. Their heads are slightly hanging. The, 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 the religious leaders of the day. A man with his son at the point of death lying in the dust. These demons have worked on his body. He's at the end of his road. And it's not that he hasn't prayed because he's prayed before. And it's not that he hasn't found sought after doctors because he's already done that. And it's, it's not that he didn't believe in even those that were connected to Christ because he brought them to the ministers. He brought them to the disciples. I've tried, I've tried. And Jesus said, if thou canst believe. And, and so he cries those words, Brother Hunter. He says, I believe. But then following that semicolon, he said, where I need help is my unbelief. Because I know no one wants to admit this, but I wear both of these backpacks at the same time. And, and if I could really be honest with you, in the same day, I can feel like everything's going to be fine. And then by the end of the day, I feel like everything is going to... And I'm talking to a lot of people in this room right now and some of you more specifically than others. And I feel like I'm on assignment from the Holy Ghost to let you know if you can be honest with God. You don't have to act like you got it all together because there's a bunch of people in this room right now that are just like this. Dad, I believe, but I need a little help with my unbelief. I believe that you're able. I believed it from the time I was picked up in a Sunday school room and the time that I would sit there and I would look on a felt board and I, I learned about Moses and I, I learned about Abraham. I've always believed. I remember learning the stories about you walking on the water. I remember the story about you turning the water into wine and, and healing and raising the dead. I, I believe, but right now I'm in a problem. It's not my belief that I'm worried about. It's my unbelief. Can you really be Pentecostal and have unbelief? Can you really be a seasoned believer and have days where you don't believe? Can you really, can you really sing songs like that? Can you really have the Holy Ghost? Can you really have been baptized in His name but still have days where you just don't? No. I'm going to tell you something. He is not intimidated by your unbelief. We serve a God that is beyond belief. You got to have faith. Without faith, no man. Come on. Without faith, you got to have faith. But I'm going to tell you sometimes you carry belief and unbelief around. Sometimes you just got, how many has ever been in a place where you just had to decide which one was going to rule you? Man, I, I just can't quite get away from this. I'm carrying them both. I'm going to tell you right now, unbelief is always heavier than belief. 
Unbelief is always heavier. Unbelief will weigh you down while belief is trying to lift you up. Unbelief will make you focus on the negative while belief will have you focus on the positive. Unbelief will have you focus. But the problem is everybody has a tendency to focus on the unbelief. Everybody wants to talk about the unbelief. It's more popular to talk about the unbelief. It is not popular to talk about belief. It is not popular. It was not in that day. There was a sweeping culture of the miraculous because of Christ, but he's soon to be crucified himself. There is a sweeping momentary revival of belief. And we've seen strands of belief keep it alive. But if you look at the social climate that we live in today, it is much easier to focus and be accepted on the basis of unbelief than belief. But I still believe. I tell you my gift My gift during this Christmas season is that he was born of a virgin named Mary. What are you talking? That's my belief. My belief is that Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. What is it, Matthew 1.18? She was. She was espoused to Joseph. Yes, she was, but they had not known each other. But the angel of the Lord came. Woo! He came. That doesn't make sense. I believe it happened. I mean, I believe it happened with every fiber of my being. I believe that there was a census. I believe that they made their way. I do believe that in a manger in Bethlehem, there was a Christ child that was born. I do believe that the shepherds themselves gave glory to God. I do believe that all of heaven took notice. I I do believe it. I know that some don't believe it, but I'm telling you, I might have some unbelief about how things are going to work out, and I might have some unbelief about whether so-and-so is going to get a complete healing or go on to glory early. I might have a little unbelief. There are some things I might have unbelief in, but there are some things that my belief is is firmly fastened in. I believe that Jesus Christ is real. I believe that he is alive. I believe that he is well. I believe that he is still ministering to the church. Yes, I do. I believe he's still healing bodies. I'm going to say that again. I believe he is still healing bodies. I know some get healed and some don't. But he's still good and he's still able. you gotta, you got to get an image through the fog. Even if you can't see it, I believe he's able. I believe his name is great. And greatly to be praised. Yeah. I I believe it. I believe that he's worthy in Christmas of my focus. Yeah. I believe he's worthy of me saying, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. Well, pastor, I I think you need to probably relax on that a little bit because so-and-so didn't get healed yet and and -and so-and-so's in the middle of a divorce and -and so-and-so has financial difficulty. and so There's unbelief everywhere. But if we're not believers... Let's do a poll. I'll be the first one. How many of you in the last week have had to deal with unbelief on some level? Raise your hand. Be honest. There's a poll you never see taken in church. Raise your hand again real high. How many of you, at the same token, how many of you, though, have had to combat that with your belief? I'm going to tell you, you could wreck hell's day right now. You couldn't. 
I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but I really feel this. If you would focus on your, I believe. I need you to help my unbelief, but I still got my boy at your feet because I know you're able. No, the disciples, it didn't happen, but I'm not done praying and I'm not done staying and I'm not done believing. I'm not done asking. I'm not done reaching. I'm not, my trust is not gone. I want you to clap your hands under the Lord and I want you to lift your voice. Come on, you gotta press through the fog. You gotta swim through the fog. You gotta get a vision. I can see them healed. I can see them getting baptized. I can see it working. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I got a vision of revival. I got a vision of the miraculous. Help thou my unbelief. Throw your hands towards heaven all over this room. And if you raise your hands for unbelief, I want you to throw your hands up. Come on, and I want you to begin to pray. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Come on, I want us to just take a few minutes and pray. Come on, just take a few minutes and pray.